The views expressed here on Now See Here are not necessarily those of the sponsors, advertisers, Jack Chris, the host, or Roddy Merritt. Hello, Jack Chris here, the Now See Here podcast, available on anchor.fm slash now see here, and of course on Facebook as well. We have the Now See Here page, and we would appreciate it very much if you went there and liked it and do it today. We are about to jump into part two, the first time we've done a, a back-to-back part two with Mr. Danny Bedwell. Danny is a well-known libertarian from Columbus, Mississippi. He made the drive down to CC's Coffee House today uh, to engage in this debate slash discussion. Danny is also currently running for the State Senate, uh, District 17. Danny, welcome back. Thank you, Jack. Ms. Christina Dent, who was on recently, and her show was so uh, well-listened to and, and popular uh, and controversial that we wanted her to come back, and she and Danny ex- exchanged some questions on email, and we thought it'd be a good idea to have them here. So Christina runs the End It for Good organization. Christina, welcome back. Thank you. Okay, now part two. Danny, you were going to mention or quote, I believe, a DEA executive yeah. or agent in Colorado where where marijuana is legal. That's right. He's a DEA supervisor okay. in uh, Colorado, and he's kind of overseeing the whole thing. And he said that his officers, his DEA agents, are spending about 15% more time on drug trafficking cases. And he says this is a threefold increase from before it was legal. So it's my contention that, that their war on drugs, ending the war on drugs in Colorado, actually increased the war on drugs because they had to have it so heavily regulated and come up with all the different rules that now the DEA is trying to make sure that the Colorado residents, the buyers, sellers, growers, consumers are in accordance with, as per the stuff written by the legislature. And they're spending a lot more time kicking indoors. I told you there was 45 houses uh, searched, 250 properties searched, 45 arrests, $2.9 million of money seized. And it doesn't sound like they've actually ended the war on drug, according to the DEA supervisor. So, so I would say, I think they're... They may be shifting how they are enforcing it. Um, I think in it now. I don't know. That may be his own. Uh, the fifteen percent may be just his own ballpark. There may be actual statistics behind that. They may have decided they want to spend more time on these marijuana trafficking instead of other kinds of crime. Some of that may be just personal preference. Um, so I think there's. There's always, I am always in favor of zooming out and saying, you know, there's a lot of people who've made comments in Colorado about, you know, it's destroyed our state and everything is terrible here. But if you actually look at the statistics, you see not everything is terrible and it hasn't destroyed your state. You know, your the adult use is only up slightly. Youth use is down in Colorado. Adult arrests are down. There's lots of harms that have been mitigated by it I would say that's that's not a failure of legalization so much as it is to say if that's if that is really happening in a broader sense in Colorado then they're far too heavily regulating it which obviously you would agree with yeah (laughs) but I don't think we go back to then saying well let's just criminalize it we say okay let's now tweak further and say we we didn't prior to right enough prior to legalization and regulation can we call it that then legalization and regulation Mm -hmm. Prior to legalization and regulation in California, there were no uh, 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 National Guard troops. But now, since they've legalized it and regu- heavily regulated, the governor's going to send 150 National Guard <clears throat> troops into the wilds of California looking for illegal grows. Legalization brought that on. 
And there's going to be people shot, I'm sure. There's going to be people thrown in jail. There's going to be doors kicked in. And that's what I was trying to end, that stuff there. And I spent a lot of times trying to defend my position on this when it should be the other way around. I really think that the default position should be do what you want. And is there some bad reason, some some neg, uh, neg what, what word am I looking for? Negligible? Perhaps. Some <laughs> negative, <laughs> negative okay. some negative aspect to allow cotton farmers in the Delta of Mississippi to grow millions of acres of pot and flood the market with this cheap stuff. I know we want to protect children, right? Is that the only reason that we would regulate this? Is there another reason you want to regulate it and tax it, the crap out of it? Well, I think I think taxing. So I would say if you can if you can appropriately tax. I'm not against taxing. So we fundamentally differ on that. <laughs> That's apparent. <laughs> uh, but I think if you can if you can tax it a little bit and use that tax money for good things in the state. Now you would say the state's not doing any good things with your tax money. <laughs> I disagree. I think there's there's some place for that, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with giving that, allowing that to happen. But I, I just can't see how you can keep it. Um, to me, the benefits of being able to put it behind a counter, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of other um, regulations maybe that can be helpful. I do think, you know, packaging, labeling your packaging. Now, does the government need to tell you that? Or can the consumers say, don't sell me stuff that's not labeled? I think the no, market you know, solves Maybe that. the market can solve that. Um, I can't get past how the market could solve weed being on a shelf it, it is a different substance than corn cotton or razor blades it is it is a way to you know to, alter, to your, alter mind. your mind so, so you're it saying is, it's more you know, dangerous than drano i would say yes or more potential not necessarily more dangerous i'd say probably it's you know if how many how many children the potential has, for has, it. has marijuana how many children have has marijuana killed over the years None, but you're talking then about two an, different answer this question. How many children has a bottle of Drano killed over the years? A lot. We don't. We sit it right on the sh bottom shelf, as a matter of fact, at Kroger. But Within the, easy the reach of children. But the incentive for a child to willingly ingest Drano is not the same for the incentive for them to willingly ingest Culturally, I guess you're saying. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't hear in Drano songs. Parties. Yeah, no, no, you know, and what four-year-olds go to pop parties. No, but but kids who are teenagers are certainly seeing it there. So the, the there is a there is a desire from youth to use marijuana that is not present with Drano. So I can't compare those in terms of what would happen. We that it would be the same. You could put marijuana on the bottom shelf and with Drano and just let people buy it if they want to. I, the, the comparison for me is not there because of the the incentive to use those substances is not equal. I want to ask you both a question uh, that I think I. I first posed to you, Christina, uh, during our first interview, but, but before we do, you know, I, I, I've told you, Danny, and I mentioned it with Christina, when the government and the media get together and declare something's a problem, I get a little nervous because I'm saying somebody has, has cooked something up. I don't like the term war on drugs. Why don't we change the name to help the addicted? Wouldn't that be a more positive thing? War on drugs. Hey, there's a war on everything. War on poverty. It didn't work, by the way. War on this, war on that, war on, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's always a damn war. Why don't we, instead of calling it a war <laughs> on drugs, help the addicted find out what's wrong with them? 
You talk be compassionate. Well, well, okay. I mean, I'm not in charge of it. And I wish I could. A, you would get a very different uh, response if you said, we want well, to have a... War is an emotional... children. A, How about help the children? Right. How, How about can we help the children? And if you the start warm looking, puppy and lollipop. <laughs> you know, if uh, you start looking at the research and you say, we want to help people related to drugs, you would be completely on the side of legalization, whether it's, whether it's your kind of legalization, Danny, or my kind of legalization. Mm -hmm. You can't support drug prohibition if you look at it from how do we actually help people. It, That's a strong statement. Yeah. That's it a is. strong statement. But if you look at actual research, there is no research that says we're helping anybody uh, by doing this. So I'm going to stir it up. Which version of prohibition? This version here that I have on my computer screen that they have in Colorado? <laughs> or your version? Or my version? I don't have prohibition. So, you know, all right, prohibitions right. are lifted. Yeah. Now, I made the arg argument during the break that a lot of times Democrats and Republicans, they just say, we're gonna be a be better manager of this behemoth government or this branch of government. I'm starting to hear it in drug legalization too, that we're gonna be a better, we're gonna be better prohibitionists than the old prohibitionists. We're good prohibitionists and I can't get there. I think that's a great point to say, if, you, if we take this and we, we put it under so much government oversight that nobody actually is able to access this stuff and the, the, you know, the illegal market just continues to flourish and we just continue to prosecute it, but we call it legal, I would totally agree with you. We have done it wrong. Uh, I, don't, I think Colorado is well on their way to, a, a, I think it's better now than it was before, and I think it might continue to More get better. More people are being arrested now. They're not. The, we see. We disagree. The studies I've read are that fewer people are being, fewer adults are being arrested on wow. marijuana charges. So I think that that may be just a difference. Okay. But but there is coming out of Colorado. A lot of people reference this high intensity drug trafficking report uh, that uh, this organization in Colorado uh, produces. It comes up a lot in conservative articles of all the terrible things that are happening in Colorado. And from what I have read, I've read that the statute, uh, somebody sent me the statute that this is, that the high intensity drug trafficking is funded out of. It is funded from money that cannot be used to support anything legalization related. So they are only able to report negative effects of legalization. So they're reporting that emergency room visits with marijuana are up and, you know, uh, things like that. Well, it's that not the made, whole story. Right, that's not the whole story. So what about Fake all of the good things that have happened related to it? They're not so, allowed to report that due to their funding. Let me tell you the good things then. Uh, six and a half billion dollars in sales in, in, of pot in Colorado. I think that's a good thing. Of that six and a half billion dollars, the citizens of Colorado paid one and a half billion with a B, one and a half billion dollars in taxes on six and a half billion dollars in sales. Is that incredible? Is that outrageous? That it was a one and a half billion dollar tax increase to the to the residents of Colorado. Uh, now the legislators in Colorado they say, see, it's a good thing. It's provided us with a one point five billion dollars in extra revenue. That came right out of our pockets. It came right out of the people's pockets, and it was a tax increase. And uh, I know the legislators are going to say, but we're doing good stuff with that money. You know, we're going to do this for the children. We're going to do all these good things. It's a tax increase. And you know that argument, Danny, I've heard some libertarians say that's why they're against the very thing you're for. Some of your own uh, and our own kin kinsmen and women are saying we, we want to keep it like it is because the government's just going to take it over and it's going to turn into a, yeah. a boondoggle. And I, I mean, I've heard that, too. Look, what about law enforcement? I asked Christina. She said that she's talked to some law officers who have come to her events and 
you know, the, the problem is, Danny, and I know you, you talk about these agents and some of their, you know, their behavior, but they're following the law. That's what they are sworn to do. You were in the military, mm -hmm. and if your commander, you know, told you to do something, you had to do, to do it. And the, the policemen and everybody, DEA, they, well, maybe DEA is a little bit different, but the policemen, they have to do what they're told to do, whatever their conscience may, may think. Let me ask you, without naming names, first, you can comment on that, but also, are you hearing privately from some law officials or law officers that are, are saying, you got a good point? A couple. A couple. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm heavily involved in politics, as you know. Yeah. yeah. And talking with some of the sheriff candidates uh, over the past several weeks up in Lowndes County, Mississippi, um, there were several, there were two that kind of sided with me on this. And then we had the uh, thumpers, as I call them. Uh, unfortunately, the two thumpers won in a runoff last night, or wound up in a runoff last night. And they both told me that they want to increase this war on drugs, or whatever we want to call it. They want to increase funding, get more undercover agents out on the street, get more dr uh, dog-sniffing drugs, and put up more roadblocks. So whoever wins the sheriff race up in Lowndes County, it's going to go downhill. It's going to go downhill. One guy worked for the uh, Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics for 30 years, and all he knows is how to conk people in the head, throw them in jail. And that's somehow some treatment for drug addiction, and I don't get it. Both of you, though, don't you think time and reality is kind of on your side, our side on this issue? First of all, the older people who are probably the ones who are most against drugs because they saw in the 60s it was the, the McGovern crowd, the hippies, the unpatriotic, you know, weirdo smoking pot. And that image is in their brain, just like my late mother. Uh, if she heard German being spoken on television, I mean, she bristled right. because she grew up, uh, you know, Hitler was... Uh, evil, and she grew up during World War II. But as these people pass on, and the younger generation seems to be much more accepted, accepting and open, they're not necessarily using more drugs, I don't think, but they're open to the idea of it being legal. So mm -hmm. having said that, both of you, is this, has the, the idea, has its time come? It's I'm trendy. sure it's come, but is it going to happen in Mississippi? Eventually. E either, either of your versions. Eventually. And I just want to say that, as you said, the old people, but there's a lot of old people that actually support. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, that I'm understand sure. the damage that we've done over this past 30 or 40 years I'm over sure. this prohibition. And I read a report, because in my PTSD studies, 82% uh, of mili active duty military, 82% of active duty military think marijuana should be legal. 82? 82%. And that's like 20% higher than the general populace. So it, when it comes from these these uh, stereotypes, old people or military, sometimes we don't know. And, you know, we, we haven't even talked about how uh, this prohibition affects people of different skin color. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. I'm a guy in a suit and tie, and I'm white. And, I, you know, I don't play that race card. I don't. Okay, I believe we're all individuals. But having said that, statistically, numbers show that black people are much more likely to be hauled in with a joint or, a, you know, in the, in the ashtray or whatever. Am I right? Right, right. And I don't know how to address that. Maybe call it to public attention or something. Do you hear it, Christina? I yeah, mean, but it, so it's important to, I think people would, agree, would readily acknowledge and they see that happening, the, the um, disparate policing. 
But what they don't realize, I don't think, is that that actually is not a relationship to what's actually happening in use. So, you know, if, if you have African-American people that are using at higher rates, then it would make sense if they were being arrested at higher rates. Uh, but that's not true. White and black people use the same. and sell drugs at the same rates, similar rates. Some, some drugs a little higher for one race than the other. You know, white men are the most common users of marijuana. Um, but we, in Mississippi, we incarcerate black people almost four times, at a rate four times higher than white people, even though use for marijuana use. Even though use is similar, white men use more marijuana than anybody than any other demographic. And so we, we see that and I think we miss we think, well, but if, if they're doing more crime then it's okay if there's disparate policing. Um, but that's not what's happening. They're not using or selling drugs more frequently, uh, but they are being policed at far higher rates for it. This is Now See Here at the Podcast. We're also live on YouTube with my guest here at CC's Coffee House, Mr. Danny Bedwell, Miss Christina Dent. Uh, here in Mississippi, we had a, a runoff, or excuse me, an election, primary election yesterday it was held, and we have two candidates for the Attorney General's office that are going to go up against each other in November when you're on the ballot, November 8th, I believe. It is. is. Uh, it's Lynn Fitch and Andy Taggart. Now, I assume, I'm not the lawyer, but I assume that they would have a lot to say about this very topic. Mr. Taggart, of course, was affected negatively, tragically, in his own life by drug use, and he's kind of taken that as a cause belli or, a, you know, mission. I don't know what Ms. Fitch's position is, but Danny, what do you think about the AG's office? <laughs> what do I think about the AG's office? I don't, well, I'm just going to be come out and say this. I don't think the AG's office, the Attorney's General office of the state of Mississippi should exist as a position. I don't believe we need it. I think it circumvents the idea of law, the concept of law, where law happens at the county level, and I think the Attorney General circumvents that. So if I had my druthers, Jack, I would do away with the position of the Attorney General along with several other state-level positions that uh, I think don't serve a purpose that is really just a high-paying job for someone's buddy. And we need, to, we need to start streamlining government. I would start with the, the Attorney General, the uh, Insurance Commissioner, I'm not sure we need one of those. Transportation Commissioner, I'm not sure we need one of those. I mean, all these agencies, I'm not sure that we need a commission. You know what I mean? So, for everything. Okay. For everything. All right, and that's a, a normal, typical libertarian view. Christina, your view on this, and would you or have you ever met with any of these officials? We, we touched on this in the first interview, but, I mean, if, if Ms. Fitch or Mr. Tanger gets elected, will you try and call on them to have a, a private session so meeting? I've had, uh, I'll go with people. you. <laughs> they may not let you in. There are other people uh, who have done a lot of volunteer work with End It For Good who have contacted both of them that know them personally and just asked them to consider... Uh, you know, reading the book that we do book discussions on, Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari, which Great is book, kind of the, mm -hmm. uh, the history of the drug war, but told through narrative. So it's really easy to, to read. It's very gripping and very well researched. Um, and so I hope that they're able to receive that. They, I think Did you get a people, response? Um, they both have copies of the book, <laughs> whether okay. they read it or okay. not, I don't know. Um, but I think maybe one of the struggles that they will face is uh, that what I have heard uh, from Mr. Taggart, who I support, I think he's great, um, is, you know, there's a difference between a drug user and a drug dealer. We need to get harder on drug dealers, and we need to address use as a... Uh, <laughs> no, 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 this is out. not me. This is not me. That, this is um, Mr. Taggart. You know, yeah. Right. And so I, I think 
I think the sentiment I can understand from where he's coming from, but in the in the real world of drug use, the line between dealer and user is very gray, and it's only true that there's only users and only dealers and a very small percentage of the people that are engaged in in the drug uh, underground drug world at all. Most people could be, the way our laws are, they can be accused of selling and charged under a law of selling for something like, you know, um, three people give money to one friend and he goes out and buys the drugs and he comes back. Well, technically, you know, there's a sale that happened there between those friends when really we wouldn't right. call that a sale. And so I, I, what my, my fear is that we, we say the dealers are the real problem. And what's going to happen is that a whole bunch of users are going to get swept up in this new uh, attempt to do what we've already been doing. We've all Mississippi has the third highest incarceration rate in the country. We have not been soft on drugs before, and it's just killing us. It's killing our people. It's killing families. Is that we have such a high incarceration rate? It has not worked because it can't work. You take dealers off the street. Even, let's say they are an actual dealer and they're not using. They're just in this for the money. Take them off the street. Somebody's in their place five hours later. Because as soon as you mm -hmm. take somebody off the street, there's somebody else who wants to be part of that pie, and it increases is violence because the higher up you go the more profit the more power vacuum you leave when you take them off the street and now there's people fighting for their role on this street corner and let me ask ask you this Danny because I, I think you would probably say the pusher that's restraint of trade it is uh, but, but let me ask you this and maybe this is just a moral issue but you know there are some sick SOBs out there who yep. might sell a kid a little marijuana kid comes back and says hey I got something a little better here's some ecstasy Here's some heroin. Give it a shot. Oh, okay, okay. Isn't that person? Doesn't that person deserve a special ring in hell? <laughs> I think so. Even, even if they're not, you don't think they should be arrested? Right. I think that uh, what you're talking about is a gateway drug. Uh, is the what, argument that what, marijuana the pusher kind and of the pusher? Egging it that's on. how he yeah. got his name, the pusher. Right. He says, yeah, the marijuana was good. Well, you sh you'll really love this stuff. Right. You know, it's called meth. Get them hooked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a special place in hell for those people. And whether or not law puts them there, I'm one that says, you know, uh, if you harm someone, you go to jail. But there has to be harm. And if you gave someone some drugs and it harmed them, then you should probably go to jail. Okay. I want to say one thing. If you harm someone, you go to jail. What a concept. How about if you wear a badge? How about... This used to happen with the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics up in Oxford, up at uh, Ole Miss. They would get a pretty young girl and a sorority girl in a young in a, in a short skirt and go to a party, and she would find some guy right out of high school. You know this. I know this happened. Okay. Some guy right out of high school flirt with him and say, I really would like to uh, get high right now, and I know that that guy in that house has some pot. And if you'll go up there and buy some... Buy some pot, I'll smoke it with you. This guy goes up to the house, asks the guy to buy some pot, and it's DEA or MBN agents, Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics agents, and they arrest him. And then they force him to become a confidential informer. And then they send him, just like they did to the young girl, they send him over to this house and buy ecstasy or whatever. Well, they're hurting this kid. They have destroyed his family. They have destroyed his life. Kicked him out of college. You know, this is, uh, we've got to stop doing this stuff. We, and I think the, the important point, you're making an important point that there, uh, I never want people to hear 
people who are preying on children, people who are who are knowingly engaging in the drug trade just for the profit incentive of it are somehow well they're not they're not doing anything wrong. I'm not saying that at all. No, I'm saying if we can zoom out far enough to see why on earth do we want our drugs being sold on the street by people like this who are who are trying to get people hooked on harder substances uh, we're we're missing the point. We're trying to address. We're trying to say we want them gone, so we're going to fight harder, which is just going to increase the profit, and it's going to get more people to want to do what they're doing. It, it doesn't actually solve any of the problem at all, and it just keeps and people under their uh, under their care. Sort of, they're not caring for them, obviously, but you know, keeping needing to go to these people. Um, and in the meantime, as we're trying to crack down on those kind of people, we're sweeping up a whole bunch of other people who are selling because they're addicted, they're just trying to feed their addiction, or they can be charged under a selling law even though they weren't selling at all. That's or they're just happened. sitting on their back porch smoking a joint. Yeah. And, and they get collected in that as well. Yeah. And, and yeah. not hurting a soul. Right. So if we can zoom out far enough to see, so, let's take it out of that kind of market where you know the people in the marijuana store are not are not saying, hey, why don't you use some heroin? Right. Like, they sell marijuana. That's what they do. And you go in there for marijuana. Um, that's that's. And if, if you think that of. will alleviate the black market, uh, because it didn't in Colorado is what I'm trying to get at. Is, <laughs> we disagree and, and, on that. Uh, 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 well, the black market better. is thriving. It's not gone. It's, it's not thriving. Gone. It's actually it's bigger. It's down 70%. It's Statistically. Down 70%. <laughs> we, we've got we, a, we could argue that. We've got to research here, here's this. My, Roddy Merritt's my, over there looking right now. No. Here's my, my, my big thing here. I want to protect the children, and so do you. Mm -hmm. Common Absolutely. ground, great. Absolutely. All you have to do is prove to me that highly regulated and highly taxed marijuana has any history at all ever of protecting children. But I want low regulation. Not, low not, uh, well, how, do, how do you protect children if it's heavily regulated? How do you how, how does that work? Well, I think we're we are would you say that we're doing better with alcohol prohibition protecting no, children or not prohibition? The way we have alcohol yeah. right now. No, I'm, I'm, not so sure yeah. I'm not so sure we do. I'm not so sure we do. I I think, think we have got a lot of underage drinkers. Oh, absolutely. We got a yeah. lot. And just before prohibition, before the 18th and 21st amendment, before there was any law regarding alcohol I would say the ratio of underage drinking to now is probably roughly the same. Even after we legalized it, the difference is the state's getting rich. So hmm. I don't know that that legalizing marijuana will actually reduce youth use of, of marijuana. No, it has in Colorado. Youth use is down in Colorado. No, it may not be down 50%, but it's down from what okay. it was pre-prohibition. I, 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 I need to get some people on from Colorado. We've got yeah. two minutes left, <laughs> folks. Okay, well... Uh, anyway, that's all I need to prove for, to get me to uh, approve of your program. Uh -huh. Get rid of the taxes and prove to me that that it will reduce youth use because it no, hasn't happened anywhere. This has been great. We could do a part three probably, but <laughs> let's uh, closing comments. I'm going to be like they are on CNN and Fox. Christina Dent ended for good. How can people get in touch with you? Tell us about your podcast, your website, all that good stuff. They can go to enditforgood.com. Uh, you can email me at christina at enditforgood.com. We have a podcast also called End It For Good. You can find on iTunes. Um, and we just t try to take the drug war piece by piece and help people begin to make the journey that I made from somebody who supported the drug war my whole life until just a couple years ago 
out of that mindset to build a new framework for how do we think about the best way to handle drugs where the fewest people are harmed, the most people have an opportunity to flourish. Not everybody is going to flourish. It's not a perfect world. There's no perfect world in a broken world like this, but how can we have the least amount of harm from drugs? That's our goal. And our, our hope always as an organization is to help people start wherever they are and just take steps towards thinking about it differently as far along as they want to come to us to a, a fully legal regulated market that's great and if they stop at whatever point that's up to them but i want them to be informed i want to understand what's happening right. and understand what could be different you're doing good work danny if you get elected in november you will be the first libertarian ever elected to public office in the state of mississippi why should people vote for you in district 17. um because i will be the second elected libertarian in the state of mississippi we ha actually had a libertarian mayor in McLean, Mississippi. Win last night? No. He oh. won two years ago. Oh, okay. Well, in a mayoral race. Uh, Steve McCluskey is his name. Uh, if elected to Senate District 17, I will take my arguments uh, uh, for a unregulated market. I'm not looking for a highly regulated market on anything, not on automobiles, corn, diapers, pot. I don't want a heavily regulated market. I want a free market. I am a uh, liaison fair type guy. So uh, what I'm trying to do is take my arguments of limited government, because they're not being heard in Jackson. Somebody has to hear these arguments. And I appreciate Christina today for, for listening to me. And I want the record to show that I'm actually the moderate here. I get, to be, I get painted as, <laughs> as, a, as a radical. That's what we were thinking. But here's the deal here. <laughs> See, I just want to be left alone. I think that is a moderate attitude. I think it's the radical attitude where I know what is best for you and let me and my buddies determine how you should live your life. I think that's a radical notion. So I'm actually the moderate. Folks, it's been enlightening. It's been entertaining. Lots it's been fun. fun but it this has. is a serious topic. And I, I hope, Absolutely. if nothing else, I hope people take away uh, some information they had not gained before and do a little research and think for themselves. Our thanks to Roddy Merritt, Merritt Media behind the board as always. Christina Dent in it for good. Danny Bedwell running for State Senate, District 17, CC's Coffee House, SettleMyCase.com upstairs. I'm Jack Chris, shameless plug. 15 years ago, this came out. How about that? It's not that good, but uh, I, still, I still get checks every, every year for a penny, you know, and I, I don't cash them. This has been the Now See Here podcast, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, anchor.fm slash now see here, H-E-A-R, and go to our Facebook page and like us, Now See Here on Facebook. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for listening, and take care. Hi, this is Danny Bedwell. I'm running for state senate in District 17 here in Mississippi. What you need to know about me is that I am a fiscal conservative. I am a fiscal hawk. I'm running as a libertarian. I am a philosophical libertarian. When I say that I'm a fiscal hawk or a fiscal conservative, what I mean is I would be frugal with your tax dollar. I would not be extravagant in spending. I don't believe that the state should be extravagant in their spending. I think they should be frugal. I would look at every single spending bill and make sure that we get our money's worth. I am not a tax increaser. In this past year, our taxes here in this district has increased three different times, and I would have opposed all three of those tax increases. So in November, look for me on the ballot. My name is Danny Bedwell, and please consider voting for me. This is Danny Bedwell, and I approve this message.